welcome to the City Point Church podcast. Thanks for joining us. Every day is an opportunity to take hold of. So we hope this message inspires you and builds your faith, that it helps you have more of a God perspective for your day. Enjoy. Uh, after this week that my family and myself have um, endured, I would, I would say that today's message is very appropriate. And the title for today's message is Peace. And of course, the ripple effect of peace, because ripple is the um, subject for these months, uh, the ripple effect of peace, peace is that it permeates not just your immediate circumstances, uh, but it also flows on to those around you. You know, people who don't have a sense of peace in their life, you, it, you know, it flows out. And they're usually the people that you feel very awkward around, okay? Um, and, but true peace can permeate and actually ripple through every part of yours and my life. But we need true peace, true peace, not the peace of this world. If the world can give peace, then the world can take it away. So we need peace that's permanent, okay? I like to call it peace that permeates and permanent because true peace doesn't just come and go with a whim. It's not based on emotion, which can change. Peace is permanent. So there's three points I need to bring up, and the first one is point number one called troubled times. Troubled times. Uh, And today I want to show you some facts, but more importantly, I want to show you some truth. Okay? I want to attach truth to some facts. In fact, we've been teaching in this church for years that there's a very big difference between facts and truth. Uh, This week, oh, it was last week now because today's Sunday. Uh, Last week we had a church leadership meeting and our uh, leaders, Pastor Graham and Pastor Mel, they were speaking about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and about a tree called the knowledge of good and evil. All right. Uh, If you have never read that event yet... It's in the very, very beginning of the Bible. So you can just kind of read through the story. Um, but anyway, Satan, the serpent, told Eve that if she and Adam ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that they would be like God. Technically, that was a fact. You see, and I had this conversation really recently after the church leadership meeting. Adam and Eve were created perfect, wonderful, but what were they missing? The knowledge of good and evil. Now, God knows good and evil. How do you create a tree of the knowledge of good and evil if you don't know good and evil? It's a simple fact and truth. So Adam and Eve were like, Satan's right. If we eat from the knowledge of good and evil, we will be more like God. The thing about facts is they don't bring life sometimes. And that fact brought death. Only truth brings life. This week, some of you may or may not know, this week was called the Shemitah week. Is everyone familiar with that? Ooh, yeah, of course you are, Miss Jane. Awesome, bless you. Okay, the Shemitah week is a um, Jewish calendar perspective. But historically, and this is weird, I want to go too much into the weird zone, but historically, very, very often, 
at this Shemitah period, which is the end of a seven-year period, it has brought about economic collapse. Yeah. It happened in 2008, 2001, 1994, 1997, and it actually continues and continues. It's really weird to watch. So if you've been watching the news and reading through it, there's some terrible economic news out there. We also have news about war and nukes, lots of facts pounding our brains right down to Jewish thought. And quite honestly, it's terrible for your mental health. (laughs) Yes. But God told us that these things would occur so that we can all find peace. And who wants true peace? I think we all do. This whole world searches for peace. But peace is not the absence of trouble. Um, I'm going to say that again. Peace is not the absence of trouble. That's, that's kind of good news and bad news, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, really? Say something nice, John. Uh, peace is what you place your trust in. It's not mindless meditation where you empty your thoughts and hope the chaos goes away. But when you open your eyes, it's still there. There's another way. Um, Around 200 BC, before Christ, there was a guy named Cato the Elder. Uh, He said this. He said, we cannot control the tongue of others, but a good life enables us to disregard them. Which is a nice way of saying you can have peace if you just ignore your circumstances around you. Uh, That was his answer to finding a form of peace. Another example, now remember, this is not true peace. Another example is, you know, you're having a really nasty, hard day because your boss is really hard and nasty. But if you have $10 million in the bank account, you really don't care what he thinks because your trust is in your bank account, not in his opinion. But there's a massive problem here because money or a good life as Cato, the elder, would say, does not bring true peace. Uh, we even find in Psalms chapter 49, verse 6 to 7, it says, Those who trust in their wealth and boast in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give to God a ransom for him. Which means money still is not your answer for eternal peace. So we don't trust in money for peace in these super troubled times. Uh, It's very interesting how people are scrambling for money right now because it's their stronghold. It's like, well, you know, things are so uncertain. I just need more money. We trust in the Prince of Peace. And for those who missed that last song, his name is Jesus. I found over the years that the peace of this world often will rob your life. Very interesting. Uh, Addiction to drugs, alcoholism, sexual lust, they bring moments of calm. I mean, I'm not denying that because there are senses and moments of calm in those things. Why even pretend there isn't? That's a fact. But they don't bring peace. They don't bring life. Point number two, 
So how do we find peace? Well, unfortunately, sometimes we have to, point number two, fight for peace. Yeah. Now, it sounds like an oxymoron. Do you know what oxymoron means? It's called an oxymoron because only a moron would say two opposite things in the same sentence. That's why they call it that. Yeah. I've never found a really good reason for calling it an oxymoron. All right. So how can we fight peace? Yeah, there's a passage in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. Very hard passage to decipher from the Greek. So I want to show you um, a, a more depth explanation of it today. But Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, it says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. The Greek word there is biazo. It means forcefully advancing along those lines. And it says, And the violent take it by force. Biazo, translated, again, suffers violence, forcefully advancing. But the etymology of it, etymology means how the word begins. The etymology of Biazo is more like being super energetic, like zealous. So you're almost annoying zealous, you know? So a forceful zealous. You're enjoying this because, yes, <laughs> Rachel was like, that's me. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the etymology, for those who, um, I need to explore etymology a little bit. It, it's how a word begins. A good example is the word earth. Have you ever thought about where the word earth comes from? Considering just about every galaxy and every planet seem to have names after other gods, don't they? Yeah, and Roman rulers. But earth, no. Where did earth come from? Well, if you go back into the proto-Indo-European, it's the word eartho. But where did eartho come from? You can trace the word earth right back to the original Hebrew, which is aretz. It's gone from Retz to Earth to Earth, right? That's why I like etymology, because it's often Hebrew words. I really like that. Yeah. Uh, so we've got the last part of that verse that says, the violent takes it by force. So somebody out there has been really, like, aggressively energetic, and then it says, and the violent take it by force. The Greek word, for the, some of you are going to love this, the Greek word is hapazo. Who knows the word hapazo? Yeah, I can see a few nods. Rapture. Yeah, it's the word rapture. Um, the word rapture means being suddenly seized. So when people say to you, I believe in the rapture of the church, what they mean is the church is going to be suddenly seized. I'm like, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Probably a great thing. But suddenly seized. So this part of the verse, the very last part of it, could possibly mean with energy they seize it. So with that in mind, let's read Matthew 11, verse 12 again. And it says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven is energetically zealous. And with energy, they seize it. Guys, now is the time to seize the kingdom of heaven. If you are coming up against circumstances in your life that are bringing chaos and disappointment, then seize the kingdom of heaven. Placid will never produce peace. There are placid moments, don't get me wrong. I like placid moments. Rachel knows I like cruise ships. My I really like cruise ships. Sipping pina coladas on the wide open oceans. Yes. 
I've got no excuse for that. But true peace only comes when you're desperate to be in the kingdom of God. That's the answer for this world. Not placid, not removal of thoughts, desperation and energy to be in the kingdom of heaven with Christ. So what does the kingdom have? Well, the kingdom has a king, it has people, but where do these people live? With, usually within a walled city, historically, in, in biblical context. Uh, so we can open up the book of Nehemiah, and you should read the book of Nehemiah. I haven't even got through it yet. Oh, no, I've just finished. I'm not too... Uh, was it um, Chronicles now? But amazing book. So Nehemiah, this official, realized that to live in a city with safety and peace, they needed a wall. So he gets a whole bunch of people to create a wall. This is bizarre, though. Everyone around was like, we need to stop Nehemiah and his people from building the wall because they did not want him to find true peace within the kingdom. Uh, in fact, so what, this is what they did. Speaking of fighting for your peace, in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 17, it says, those who built on the wall, so they're building the wall, and those who carried burdens, that's a nice way of saying and those were like, well, don't know how to build, but we can carry stuff. They loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other they held a weapon. Not placid. Building with energy and with defense. Why? Because a kingdom with a protective wall where is, is actually a place where the people can unite. It's a place where the kingdom people can commune. And we have peace. Musicians, if you'd like to come up. This is point number three. It will be the longest one, but this is the one I really want to get into your heart. Point number three is simply peace. Someone pointed out to me after my last preach uh, that I didn't include any Hebrew words last time. Just noticed that I didn't. Oh wow, a few people. I even went through my notes. I was like, that can't be right. I'm like, what? I've got like one job. <laughs> so not today. All right. It's all good. You're going to learn actually a depth of a Hebrew word that most of you would probably know or have heard. Uh, it's the word shalom. Yeah, shalom. And if you're new today, or if you've been coming here a while, and you need peace in your life, despite all your troubles or the trauma of your week, your answer is found within the word shalom. Shalom is often used as hello or goodbye. But shalom has a much, much deeper meaning than that. Shalom means completion and wholeness. Yeah, people say, hi. What they mean is, may you be complete and whole. And when they say, bye, they mean, may you go and be complete and whole. Completion in every part of you, in your body, your mind, your soul and spirit. Completion in your family, completion in your neighborhood, completion in your community. It's almost like we want to speak Jesus over all those things, hey? 
So when you're saying hello, as in shalom, it's not just a shallow, momentary greeting or farewell. You're asking and saying you want them to be complete. Right. So how do we get complete? How do we find wholeness if money, sexual persuasions, drugs, alcohol, if they bring momentary calm and a form of happiness but not completion, how do we get complete? How do we find this wholeness that we seek and the world wants? And it's almost like this whole world is bent on trying to remove that from us. You know, and trying to show that the kingdom of heaven isn't peace, but it is. So how do we find that? I want to show you a slide on shalom. I'm going to show you some paleo-Hebrew. It's beautiful. Uh, I want to thank my brother-in-law. He did the art for this. Uh, he actually created it as an NFT, for those who know what that is. But each letter has a pictograph. All right, pictograph means every letter has its own picture. The pictures that you've got here, the very first one, the very top one, because you read Hebrew from right to left, but I've put it from top to bottom so you can see it. The very top letter is the letter Sheen. It's a picture of destruction. It's a picture of teeth ripping things apart. It means to tear things apart. It means destruction to destroy something. The next letter is the letter Lamed. Uh, the letter Lamed is a shepherd's staff. Yeah, it grabs things and pulls the sheep in the line. It is a picture of authority. The Vav, that's the third one down, it is a tent peg, often a nail, but it means that something has been pinned. And the very last letter, Mem, it's like rushing rapid crazy water, and it often means chaos. So shalom doesn't just mean be complete, be whole. It's saying that we and a certain person and through that certain person can destroy the authority that's attached to chaos. And instead of being attached to chaos in your life, we can be pinned to the very authority of peace. And His name is Jesus. You'll notice it does not say, remove the chaos. It doesn't say, oh, let's forget about the chaos momentarily. It says, Destroy the chaos. Destroy, sorry, the authority that's attached to that chaos. Not just remove it. In Galatians 2 verse 20, there's a beautiful passage that's also incredibly gory and horrific. It says, I am crucified with Christ. And it is all about the death to yourself so that we can be alive in Christ. And it does sound gruesome and full of pain and anguish. And yes, it is often those things. But we are being pinned, nailed to the authority of peace when we are being 
crucified with Christ. It's not just the gory stuff. It's the authority of peace that can come into your life despite your circumstances, despite depression, despite trauma. Peace, true peace. That's the good news too. The bad news is troubles will have authority of your life until you give that authority back to Christ. This isn't a, oh great, I'm so glad Jesus, meek and mild, you know what I think about that. (laughs) This is the authority of God who gave himself for us so that he would overcome the world, so that we would overcome the world and find peace in Christ. I'll give you another example in Scripture. In fact, Rachel spoke um, a couple of weeks ago about submitting to the authority of God. She was speaking about how to submit and all that. It's just, we have to learn to submit to God so that we find that peace, all right? It's submitting. I'll give you an example. It's in Acts chapter 27. You can read the whole event yourself. Uh, But there's Paul, and he's a Roman prisoner, and he's stuck on a boat, and there's this massive storm that lasts for days. And sometimes we're in storms, just like the picture that was up on the screen before. Okay, sometimes we're in storms, uh, and often we will try and paddle our way out of it, won't we? Like, bad storm, need a paddle. But Paul, he's in a bad storm that lasted for days. And it says even in verse 20 of chapter 27 that they didn't see the sun or stars for many days. Imagine a storm like that where you can't even see the light at the end of the tunnel. That's the kind of storm that they were going through. So Paul is chill as. In fact, he's spitting facts, right? He's spitting facts to the rest of the people in the boat. He's not lying to them. He's choosing facts. Um, he's telling them, he's like, guys, we're all going to be shipwrecked. (laughs) Yeah, he didn't like sugarcoat it at all. He's like, oh no, we're definitely going down. But then he speaks truth into it. And the truth is that everyone will be saved and God's purpose cannot be stopped. In the midst of a violent, long storm, he decides he's going to chill and eat a meal. It even says that in Acts 27, 35. I like that, hey? He likes to eat meals. I do, especially if you need to calm down. (laughs) Got to get a burger. So Acts 27, 35, and he says, this is what it says. And when he, that's Paul, had said these things, the whole, oh, we're definitely going down. He took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he just began to eat. Paul, eating during a storm that did actually wreck the boat. So I'm not going to say that your boat won't be wrecked. I think a few people here would know that boats have been wrecked. But I am sure that we can all find peace even in the wreckage. But who are you pinned to? Who are you pinned to? Are you pinned to chaos? 
Will you pin to peace? Are you incomplete in your life? Or do you have completion and wholeness? Let's pray. Father, you see every moment of our lives. Every moment. And every moment that we surrender to you comes under the authority of the Prince of Peace himself. And right now, through the blood of Christ, the price that was paid, I speak peace over these people, Lord. I speak peace over my family. I speak peace over their families. I speak peace into their positions. I speak peace into their problems, Lord. And I pray for a revelation in their heart of who you are. And that in the midst of the wreckage, we can eat, commune, chats about God and his goodness, find his purpose through it. The Lord, just like you say in Nehemiah, that you would turn a curse into a blessing, Lord. Just like you say, all things work out for good for those who, are, who love you and accord, accord, who accord, according to your purpose. Thank you, Lord. Oh, glory to God.